AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hot Happy Mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot Happy, Happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Hot Happy Mess. I am your host, Zuri Hall, who is newly back from her much-needed Euro trip, a lovely vacation, not just Europe, and also London, because Brexit. Um, so I was in the UK and Europe for about 10 days. I flew out to Nice and then ended up at a resort about 20 minutes south of there. I was honored to be asked to host a charity gala for a really important cause. Uh, Patrick Muratu Glue is an amazing tennis coach. He has a resort, his own resort and tennis academy and uh, the Champseed Foundation, which helps empower young tennis talent to follow in the footsteps of the greats like Serena Williams, Venus Williams, um, and so many others. Uh, Serena actually being one of the tennis stars that Patrick coached. I flew out there, I lived my best can life, and it was beautiful. Oh my God, I need more time there. Um, I only got to spend a, a proper day and a half in Cannes, and it is just gorgeous. The water is so blue. Uh, we took a boat for a day trip to Saint Tropez and lived our best life at Nikki Beach. Um, and had all of the Don Julio 1942, and I'm getting old. I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't a thing that I can just do and recover quickly from anymore. Note to self. Uh, so that was really cool. And then what I'm really proud of is I decided to solo travel uh, for the rest of my vacation. You know, I've talked with friends. I was flirting with the idea of going with a friend for the entire length of the vacation. But for whatever reason, I can't say for sure why, it was on my spirit to just go by myself and then rendezvous with, you know, friends, homies, acquaintances in the various cities and countries that I was in. But I kind of liked the idea of marching to the beat of my own drum and just 
being where I wanted to be when I wanted to be there. You know, when you travel with people, whether it's a group or just one person, it's like kind of have to negotiate, right? What you're going to do each day or where you're going to go next or what parties or what types of restaurants, um, which can be fun. Or if you're with this type of really cool, super chill friend who's like, okay, have fun. I'll see you tomorrow. Like, who knows? But I just kind of wanted to do my own thing. So I was in the south of France for a few amazing days. And then I flew up to Paris and spent two nights at the most gorgeous hotel. Uh, like one of my favorites. I splurged, y'all. I was like, whoo. But then I was like, you deserve this, okay? This was my one significant vacation of the summer, um, of this year so far, um, where I'm actually getting away for an extended amount of time. So I was like, we're doing it. So I booked a five-star stay uh, for two nights in Paris at the Nalinsky Paris, and I highly recommend it. Oh my God. Go follow me on Instagram and you'll see some highlights um, from Paris and from the hotel and just like that entire experience. And don't get it twisted. That was not gifted. That was not a PR anything that came out of the pocket. And for half a second, I was like, Z, <laughs> just because like I, the more I, um, not the older I get, I'm just, I'm in a point in my life where I'm just, you know, being super locked in and serious about my financial goals. So I could, I certainly could do it and had earned the right to do it based on how hard I've been working. But I was just in that mindset. But then I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. So if I'm going to do it, then just effing do it. And no guilt, no, oh, I probably should have just done this instead. Like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not doing that. If you decide to do something, if you decide to treat yourself, if you're going to do it, you might as well go all in. You feel me? If you're going to spend the money, you might as well smile spending it and cry later. And that's my perspective on that. Um, but anyways, it was amazing. Their spa, their pool. I got one of the best massages I've ever had in my life. And then I just sort of perused and wandered aimlessly in the streets of Paris. I was in the premier arrondissement. They had the first arrondissement like the first district or area, um, which is so perfectly located. I mean, walking distance to the Louvre Museum and uh, to Opera and so many other cool places. So highly recommend you guys check out that hotel um, if you're ever in the mood to splurge in Paris, but also a lot of really great hotels in the mid range too. Like um, sometimes I'll go to hoteltonight.com for last minute bookings. And then you can sometimes get a good deal. Um, on a hotel, you can just put in what star level you want, three, four, five, whatever. Um, and then sometimes you'll score a last minute booking. Um, so that was awesome. Then after Paris, I flew to London and lived my best life there. I stayed at the Dean Street townhouse, which was so just cozy and lived in and had an understated elegance to it. And it was perfectly centered in the heart of Soho. Um, the Soho house there is amazing. Um, and I had a really great time. And what was so cool about solo traveling is I got, I met all these amazing people at the gala in the South of France and we hit it off. And then it turned out that like half of the gala <laughs> was headed to London uh, to hang out to some, a lot of them lived there and were just in the South of France for the charity gala. Um, and so I got invited to a couple of really cool parties in London. And so it all just sort of came together and it's because I left room. I left space for, you know, the magic to happen. Like whatever was going to be, was going to be. I didn't even book my flights to Paris until I was already in the South of France because I was like, who knows? Maybe I'll wake up and decide I don't want to fly to Paris. Maybe I want to fly to Santorini or Mykonos or Sardinia. Like who knows? In the end, I wanted to fly to Paris. 
but it was a great time. So I feel rested. I feel good. I feel excited to get back to work. And that's how I know that the vacation was needed and that it did what it was supposed to do. Cause it wasn't really a relaxing, slow vacation. I wasn't just lounging on a beach for a week. Lord knows I could use that. And I do have a few days coming up for that. Um, but it was restorative in that I was seeing new things and eating new foods and meeting new people and dusting off languages that I haven't tried to speak in years. And I don't know, I just felt so alive. Like I'm a person I've realized who thrives in adventure and change and freedom and travel and new experiences. And that's just always going to be a part of my life. And I've, I've learned to embrace that, you know, like you get to a certain age and I have wondered if sometimes the people around me <laughs> and just a few people might think, oh, like, is this is the time to be settling down and slowing down and just building a home life. And I'm loving that part of it, right? I'm loving nesting in my first home. Oh, by the way, go follow Homebody Hall on Instagram. That's where I'm going to be sharing all of my home renovations, home decorating, transformations in the house. I'm about to start the backyard, turn up, all the things. So follow Homebody Hall if you want to get an inside look at the home buying process and um, renovation process. And you can go check out my episode uh, back in the day when I first bought my house uh, and kind of gave you guys the nitty gritty on that. So anyways, back to whatever I was talking about. Yeah, I've just realized I'm one of those people like ideally in a perfect world, once I'm married, once I have children, um, things that I very much look forward to when the time is right, that baby's about to just get on my back and we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta hop this flight because I don't think your world has to center around or constrict with this new life. Granted, things will certainly change and they are the top priority, but I, I very much am of the mind that, you know, the, the child, the children become a part of the life and the lifestyle that you've built and want to build for not just yourself now, but your family. And that can look however you want it to look. So I feel like me, Bay, and the kids, they're just going to be running around trying not to miss flights in a perfect world a couple of times a year. I say that now and talk to me in 10 years and I'll be like, oh my God, I haven't left the house in six months. Is there light out there? But anyways, I'm back from Europe. I loved it. I hope you are having an amazing summer so far. Speaking of summer, I asked for submissions for a hot, happy mess, official drink and snack of the summer. And Shayla gave a really great suggestion, Aperol Bettys. I didn't even know what that was. I've heard of an Aperol Spritz, but she says an Aperol Betty is an ap is Aperol, OJ, pineapple, Prosecco, and a splash of Sprite with charcuterie boards, heavy on the summer fruit and light cheeses all summer long. So Shayla, Shay Nikki 22 thank you, queen. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm going to try to make one this week, maybe this weekend to toast to my uh, reunion with this home here in LA, peek back on the patio with the puppy and chill. So thank you for what will now be our official drink of summer, the Aperol Betty brought to you by Shayla and a side of charcuterie. Okay, so this month is BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month, and we have a ton of great episodes coming your way that are going to give you tools that you may need that you probably want to create balance and to establish boundaries and manifest happiness and find peace, most importantly. Because if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that is really what it's all about. That's what I 
am in a state of seeking or trying to continue to maintain, right? The whole point is to not feel like you're seeking and striving so much, but to kind of get to a place of non-striving and contentment with what is and gratitude for what is and, and, you know, hope and positivity around the idea of what might be. So in today's episode, we're talking about how to find a therapist because it can be hard as fuck. Our expert will share the different types of therapy treatment, the importance of finding an inclusive therapist that understands your reality, and also why you shouldn't ghost your therapist. Not cool, bro. But I will say finding a therapist for me, I've had a few therapists in my life, um, a couple who are really great, like life-changing. Um, and I will just say, like, don't give up, right? It's the same as dating a little bit. You gotta go through a, a couple at least to sort of know what you want, what works, what doesn't. Maybe you want a more hands-on approach. You want homework assigned. You want someone to really hold you accountable and, and challenge you lovingly or thoughtfully. And then some people are just like, just listen to me talk. I just need somebody to talk to for an hour each week because I don't have that person and I want it to be you. You know, and, and so maybe it's more talk therapy. But I have finally gotten to a point where I have an amazing therapist. She's awesome. It feels collaborative. I'm a person who likes a little bit of homework, but not a lot because I don't have a lot of time. Um, but I do like to feel that I'm growing and being thoughtfully and kindly challenged a little bit to reconsider some of my ideas and not even reconsider them in a, in a are you wrong or right way, Zuri, but reconsider my ideas around who I am and what I believe. And, and my therapist that I'm with now has really helped me embrace a lot more of who I am and not just be okay with, but celebrate the things about me that someone else might be confused by or not understand or disagree with. Um, but I'm, I'm learning, I've been learning for years, but especially now to have a lot more grace with myself and also a lot more pride and acceptance in who I am and what I bring to the table and what I want and to not apologize, to be unapologetic in all of that and who I am and who I want around me and also being able to let things go or walk away from things or people who no longer serve whatever my North Star is. And that can be really difficult, especially when you're a people pleaser, as I've been for most of my life to varying degrees. And a lot of us can relate to that. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. But yeah, that's sort of my therapy journey these days. I'm loving it. It's good. It's good. It's good. And I hope you find the therapist that you're looking for if you haven't already. So without further ado, let's get the convo started. Here's Leah. She's back. Leah Mankow is a licensed mental health therapist and group practice owner based in Sherman Oaks, California. She specializes in treating anxiety, depression, and trauma, as well as helping her clients connect with their inner child. Last year, she was a guest on our Do You or Your Partner Have Communication, Commitment, or Trust Issues episode, which is one of our most popular episodes to date. So Leah, welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat again, and I'm excited about this topic. Yeah, yeah. Before we dive in, which is going to happen really quickly mm -hmm. here, guys, uh, but just really quickly share your background for those who may be listening to you for the first time on our podcast. Um, what's a little bit of your specialty and why did you become a therapist? Sure. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker, which basically means I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I'm in private practice. I own a group practice. And I, if I kind of therapy found me. I actually went to school, the school of social work at USC because I wanted to do more advocacy and programming. 
But then my internships were all clinical. They were all one-on-one. And I really fell in love with the field of therapy in graduate school. But it was not my intention to be a therapist. Okay. So sort of a a natural evolution as life tends to to do for us. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that we're having this conversation particularly because traditionally there's been a lot of stigma around, you know, going to therapy, particularly when you think about communities or families of color. I feel like that stigma is starting to lift, which is really encouraging when I see more conversations online, especially about um, getting a therapist, finding someone to talk to, someone to support you. Um, but I'm curious to know, uh, what are some of the the initial pushbacks you often hear about why someone might not want a therapist. Oh, I don't really need it because this or that. Well, it's like what you initially said, it's the stigma. So there's this idea that you're either weak or quote unquote crazy. I don't like that word. If you're seeing a therapist, like there's this idea that there's something wrong with you. And I think in certain communities, there's this like pick yourself up by the bootstraps mentality that if you can't figure it out on your own, then, you know, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. So that's one of the reasons why like people push back on it. And then there, there's also, I think, misconceptions on what therapy is. Cause sometimes people will say things like, oh, I can just talk to my best friend mm-hmm. or I can talk to my partner or I can just go to church. And it's just not the same thing. Or I go to the gym. The gym is my therapy, right? I'm it's so glad you said that because I think that also uh-huh. helps remove all of the pressure and expectations. Sometimes we put on the other people in our life. Like I cannot be your best friend, your mama, your therapist, you're all these things. Like otherwise I'm not doing any one of those things particularly well. Um, I think people always feel like a therapist has to be someone who swoops in to save the day yes. for a very specific reason, writes a prescription yes. or su- suggests someone who can rather. Yes. And then pieces out. Yeah. And that's, that's oftentimes how people see therapy as like this crisis situation too. So obviously, you know, we have seen a lot of that stigma traditionally, uh, but slowly but surely more people are talking about it and being more open about their own mental health struggles and journeys towards therapy. Who would you say therapy is for? Why should someone, anyone sign up? I think that therapy is for everybody, as cliche as that sounds. So earlier we talked about the misconception is you need to be in a crisis in order to go see a therapist, but the opposite can also be true. You can use therapy as a space for personal growth, reflection, because we don't know what we don't know. And a therapist, what I like to see as of therapy is it's a person that holds up a mirror to our blind spots. We all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. So it's a person that can hold up a mirror and help us see things about ourselves and our interactions that we can't see with the naked eye. And when it comes to different types, you know, like some people are like, oh, I'm big into talk therapy. Oh, I, I need something a little bit more concrete. You've got CBT, um, hypnotherapy, okay. uh-huh. all of the, the the different options available to us um, and sort of how it all works. Yeah. I like that you know the different names. Yes. Therapy. Probably try it out. Yeah. So there are these different evidence-based practices, but therapy in general is talk therapy. So you talk about your feelings, you talk about your thoughts, your schemas, and a therapist helps you correct any kind of errors in your thinking. And then within therapy, we have evidence-based practices. So there's these are specific therapeutic modalities that are meant to treat specific mental health disorders. So CBT is probably, I believe, the most effective treatment right now for people who suffer from depression, anxiety. And CBT is a structured approach. It stands for cognitive behavior therapy, and it helps you recognize thought patterns that are keeping you stuck in certain cycles. 
because people with depression and anxiety tend to have more rigid thinking, very inflexible in their thinking, CBT actually is an approach that teaches you how to be more flexible in the way you see things. Okay, got it. Any other ones that you think are probably the most common that people might gravitate towards? So then there's also EMDR therapy. Have you heard of EMDR? I have. Remember, what does it stand for? Okay. Eye, eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Okay, so this is- Didn't Prince Harry just talk about this? Who? Prince Harry. Oh, he did? I don't know. I think he just did a, a massive sit down talking about mental health and uh-huh. some of the um, um, sort of more innovative therapeutic practices that he tried, I think at the encouragement of Meghan Markle. He, he was, it was on a podcast. Oh, I'll have amazing. to double check. Uh, okay. I'll fact check that, but I'm pretty sure it was EDMR. Okay. So this is for people who it's like, I've been to therapy. I've talked about it, but I still get these intense feelings or I still can't stop these patterns that I'm doing. Right. So this is for people. It it treats trauma and it uses your eye movements and going back and forth to help you recall some of the experiences that you've been through that might have been suppressed or repressed. Interesting. So So the the very action of of that eye movement could actually trigger thoughts that otherwise you kept tucked away. Exactly. It can trigger thoughts, feelings, images, sensations in the body. That might have been tucked away and that might have been experienced during a certain time in your life where you might have had a traumatic thing happen. Really? Mm-hmm. And is this something like backed by research? Is this so new that it's still, you know, we're waiting to see what studies show? This is, it's both. So it is relatively new compared to the other evidence-based practices. But what the studies have been showing is that it has been effective to treat PTSD. Okay. And, and there okay. are still studies going. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, sometimes people use the words interchangeably or just incorrectly, myself included, and mm-hmm. often enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist. Ooh. What the biggest difference is? Psychiatrists prescribe the meds. Yes, yes? that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have people. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. That's <laughs> and then you have people like me who are licensed clinical social workers that are therapists, and then you have mm-hmm. psychologists. So I'm a master's level clinician and then psychologists have their PhDs. So they can do additional things like psychological testing and other stuff that master's levels clinicians can't do, but all all can provide therapy. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts on when it comes to finding a therapist for partnership, like couples therapy, right? Because you always get one half of the couple that's like, I feel like he likes you more than he likes me, or she's more on your side than my side. So like, how do you go about navigating finding a therapist as a couple? What I recommend for people is because you are a unit, you have to find the therapist together. Usually there's one person in the relationship that tends to do most of the emotional labor. And that's the person who's going to find the therapist, make the appointment, things like that. And those are probably systems in the relationship that you're trying to disrupt. So as a couple finding a therapist, it's important that you both agree on the person that you're finding. And you both talk about what you're looking for in therapy. And you both want to make sure that the therapist that you've both chosen is competent in the issues that you guys are experiencing as a couple. And it happens. It happens. It it happens when a couple is like, I think they like, she likes you more than she likes me. You talk about in therapy because that's usually representative of a bigger issue anyway. Right, right, right. Exactly. It is really interesting how even your therapist can end up providing commentary on your relationship Mm -hmm. based on how each partner reacts to certain things in the personality of the therapist. Um, But that's a bit of a tangent. Anyways, uh, back to finding a therapist for the first time. One, where do you recommend people start with this journey? Should you reach out to an insurance provider? Are there platforms or websites online that make it easier to really customize how you find a person? Because I always joke that like one of the most important decisions in my life Mm -hmm. is finding the right therapist, like forget about my partner. Like I need (laughs) the right person to talk me through like the phases and chapters of my life. It's so transformative. Um, But it's hard when it feels like such a random crapshoot online to find the right person. How do you do that? And it is a random crapshoot. I'm going to validate that. It is because it's a ton of people. It's like dating though. You have to find out who's going to be the best fit for you. So to answer your first question, it's like, where do you begin? How do you start? I think you want to ask yourself and be very honest. What's my budget? Because the price for therapy really ranges, right? So if your budget is relatively low and you are fortunate to have healthcare insurance, then maybe using your healthcare insurance is probably going to be the best route for you. Um, because you don't want it to be something that's financially stressful either. Now, let's say you're open to paying out of pocket, then you kind of have more flexibility in who you can call. There are websites like psychologytoday.com where you can narrow down by location, practices, and I think you can even narrow down by race and ethnicity, if if I'm not mistaken. There's another website called openpathcollective.org 
And this is a site for people who are on a budget, but they have licensed therapists who slide their rate down as low as $30 a session, which is a very good rate for therapy. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So I recommend that to people who, um, you know, were out of pocket, maybe too difficult for them. So openpathcollective.org. Then there's, then there's, um, therapy for black girls. Then there's inclusivetherapist.com. And then there's, um, Asian mental health therapy. So there's a lot of directories that cater specifically to different communities. Awesome. Are there certain uh, red flags that we should consider when meeting with someone? Like when it comes to licenses, certification, sometimes you'll get someone who's like, I'm a life coach, but like not necessarily licensed. And that's okay. That just might be a different thing. How do we figure out what to look for and be mindful of? And when is it totally okay to just kind of go with whatever feels good? So sometimes it's so hard to detect the red flag during the initial consultation. I recommend when you're shopping for a therapist, you ask for an initial consultation. And this is usually a 10 to 15 minute free phone call where you share, you know, what you're experiencing, what you're wanting to process in therapy. And this is also an opportunity for you to see how they respond to you. Are they listening to you? Are they attuned to you? Are they asking you questions? Does their voice sound gentle? Are they interrupting you? Uh, I'm a big energy person. Like I'm a big energy person. So, so for me, it can be pretty easy to detect. Do I like this person in 10 minutes? Can I trust, can can I somewhat trust this person in 10 minutes? Um, So that 10 minute call can be very valuable. And sometimes in those 10 minutes, you can't see the red flags. So when you're already in it, red flags might look like the therapist taking the time. And this sounds really gross, but they take the time in session to talk about themselves often. Oh. They, yeah, they take your problems and they relate it back to themselves. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's how it, and it, it exists, and it exists, <laughs> and it exists. So it's very important people know about it because if they've never been in therapy, they're going to think that this is normal or this is okay, and it's not. Um, so it's a therapist that often relates things back to themselves or talks about themselves, monopolizes your time, doesn't really allow you space to express yourself. It's a person that's judgmental. It's a person that's Mm. texting during session. It's a person that's, I know. know. People do these things. That's terrible. On on Instagram, I wrote, I did a like a little Q and a kind of just like, tell me your therapist red flags. And these are all things people have shared. And they're all things I've heard. So I can, my therapist pulled out the phone and started texting. texting. Oh my, I don't know what I would do. People get comfortable. People get comfortable. And, and, uh, another one is they're constantly rescheduling your appointment to, to benefit themselves, whatever, you know, they're not predictable. Yeah. And that respects your time. They're showing up late. They're ending early, things like that. Yeah. Are there certain questions that you recommend we ask during the consultation? You know, it's kind of like, how do I know if this person's a right fit for me or not? If I've never had therapy, like what do I need in therapy? Are there certain questions that can help you figure out if the vibe is right? You can ask, you know, you can share, this is what I'm going through X, Y, and Z. And then you can ask, do you have experience in treating this? You can ask how many years of experience do you have treating this? What is your approach? If you kind of know that you're going to need coping skills and homework during the week, you can ask, do you give homework? Do you teach coping skills? Are you more of a therapist that listens or reflects, or do you ask questions that's going to make me think? So those are all appropriate things to ask, but I think it's very important to ask them to say to them, this is what I'm going through. Do you have experience in that? And um, so I own a group practice, right? And I have employees, I have therapists, and I do 
all of the consultation calls on behalf of my employees. And people are very, I think it's, you want to be as direct as possible. So people say things like, you know, do they have experience in addressing racial trauma? Do they have, what is their stance on the current social issues that are going on right now? And will this be a safe space for me? It is whatever you're going through, you can ask it because it's a lot of money and it's your time and you don't want to waste it. So you want to know those answers up front. So I don't think anything is off limits in that consultation. No, I love that. Really, really great things to think about. And you're right. It's your money that's uh-huh. going to be in the market pretty soon. You have a right to have some expectations uh-huh. around uh-huh. that feeling good for you and feeling like the right choice. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, I always ask like the hairstylist who can't do their own hair or is so picky, uh-huh. or, like the makeup artist who's like, oh my gosh, my makeup uh-huh. is always whatever. How is it as a therapist seeking out a therapist? Like, is it harder for you because your standards are just so high? Um, is it easier because you know what you're looking for? Are you, and not to That's like okay. be all up in your business, okay. but is that so, a thing that you do? So if I can speak to myself personally, I started seeing a therapist before I became a therapist. So I think I kind of just like got grandfathered in. And it's been the same person for a long time. So this person has seen me grow from grad school to where I'm at today, right? Um, Other people, what I've noticed kind of just the the difference, people who tend to start to see therapists kind of after they've become therapists, then their standards tend to be a little bit higher. Or it's almost like you're playing chess with your therapist. It becomes a lot harder to find somebody. But what also makes it tricky is the community is also so small. It can be so small. So it's like hard Mm -hmm. to find somebody that doesn't know somebody you know. So it does get tricky in that way. But what you're saying does happen to a lot of therapists. Uh Or it gets a little hard. Yeah, one of my girlfriends was joking that she ends up psychoanalyzing herself in her sessions Mm -hmm. with her therapist. Uh Uh She also is one to the point that she's like, okay, I got to snap out of it because... I'll be sitting here judging my therapist's assessment oh, of yeah, yeah. what's going on in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can predict their line of questioning and where they're going where they're going with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, fascinating stuff. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, different care providers, different platforms. Um, is there one that you personally prefer over the others? You know, BetterHelp is a really big one. Talk therapy is another one. I've actually used BetterHelp before um, during the pandemic, actually, when I was looking for a new therapist and that obviously made it much easier to do. Is there anything that you recommend or any sort of free or affordable community services people can look into if money is a bit more of an issue? Oh, that's a good question. So in terms of what platform I recommend, I, I don't you know, endorse any specific one because they're all very different. And you mentioned BetterHelp. And I think, you know, that is perfect also for the person who's busy, right? Because I, what I hear about BetterHelp, I could be wrong, is like, they're very accessible. The therapists on BetterHelp are very accessible. Um, and so it's good for the person who's on the go. And if money is an issue, I recommend finding clinics in the area. Oftentimes, clinics backed by government resources provide free therapy. So if you have Medi-Cal, if you have Medi-Cal, I think a therapy is free for you. And you just have to find a clinic that accepts Medi-Cal. And there's several of them. You can also find private practices that have interns or unlicensed therapists. And their, their rates are usually much lower than the therapists who are licensed. And their work is just as good, but because they're not licensed, they charge a different rate. So yeah. It's like going to the beauty school for the haircut. <laughs> there was the someone nails. Like five seconds from graduation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's, uh-huh, uh-huh. They still know what they're doing, <laughs> but 
They got a right, chunk. Right, right. That's exactly it. <laughs> okay, so I, I want to zero in a little bit, uh, particularly for the women of color who may be listening, people of color. Um, it can be particularly difficult to find a therapist that we feel understands us and sort of the cultural context around a lot of our struggles. Um, what do you know of or what have you seen in the community um, of people who go to therapy or are, are considering it and also of color? Are there disparities in that space? Yeah, there are, there absolutely are disparities in that space. Typically, uh, people of color tend to seek therapy at lower rates. And this has to do with access to therapy resources. Representation does matter. So people tend to hesitate to meet with somebody and disclose their life story to them when it's somebody that they feel like can't relate to them, when it's somebody that doesn't really look like them. On top of the stigma in certain communities um, that really contributes to people of color, women of color seeking therapy at a lower rate. So some communities will will say go to church or pray instead. And, you know, that's great, too. But I just also think it's important for people to know that, you know, you can have church and a therapist, you can have medication and meditation, you can, you know, have all of it. And if if representation matters to you, then it's important to go on certain platforms to find therapists that cater specifically to the community that you're in. Are there any that just off the top of your head and no biggie, if not, that you know of, um, whether Instagram profiles that are just feel good or catered to certain communities, websites, podcasts? Uh, you know, I really like Mina B on Instagram. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's a uh, close colleague of mine. So and her, her page is really great. Uh, for therapeutic information directed towards people of color as well. And then there's uh, therapy for black girls. I mentioned that before, if you're looking for a therapist um, in, the, in that area. And then there's also uh, Asian, Asian mental health therapy. It's another one. And um, speaking specifically to, like, to accessibility issues, right? Whether um, virtual versus in real life, um, navigating the space as a person of color, whether you're queer, immigrant, and first gen is an entirely different conversation. How specific can we get is what I'm asking when it comes to finding a therapist for us. Um, are there spaces that cater to making sure that you feel covered, protected, heard, and seen no matter which of those categories you identify with? Yes. I think you can get as specific as you want to get. You know, I mentioned this earlier too. There's another platform called inclusivetherapist.com. And that platform, I believe, highlights the intersectionality of the individual experience. So I'm a woman of color and I'm also first gen and I'm also queer or uh, it, it highlights the different intersectionalities. And so that's a platform that people can use to find a therapist more kind of specific and personalized approach. And let's say it's hard. Let's say it's hard to find somebody that looks like you or understands exactly your experience. This is where it's important in the initial consultation to say, listen, I'm a first generation immigrant. And my last therapist told me to set boundaries with my family. But to be honest, that doesn't work in my community. Would you get, would you give a different approach? Can you understand this? Cause it's not one size fits all. Right. Right. I really like how you, re you reframe that. Um, yeah, it, it really is like, oh, okay, well, you're really taking this consultation seriously. Like you should, like your mm -hmm. therapist or potential yeah. therapist mm -hmm. should be able to step up with an answer to that question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And this is a big question, uh, an awkward one, <laughs> but how do we fire our therapist? If you decide this isn't working out, or I just want to stop, or I never want to talk to this person again, how do we do it without feeling bad or making it any more painful or awkward than it mm-hmm. has to be? So as mentioned before, I want everyone to remember that these awkward conversations are practice for real life. So they're going to prepare us for having awkward conversations outside of the therapy room. And you get to decide, do I need this to be a phone call? Like you just call my therapist and say, this isn't working out. I decided I need somebody with a different approach. Or these are things that you did that I don't feel comfortable with. And I don't want to continue our relationship together. You can be direct if you need to. Or do you want to schedule a session to process it and say goodbye? This, uh, your approach depends entirely on why you're firing your therapist. If your therapist doesn't feel safe for you, if you haven't felt heard, if you've tried multiple times, then a phone call might be sufficient. But if it's for other reasons and you really like this person, but you've just learned everything you needed to learn from them and you now you need someone with a different approach, I do recommend having just a final session to say goodbye. Got it. Okay. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. 
It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm fast forwarding to when we have the therapist, we've got our person, we're feeling good about it. Um, I'm curious to know, are there rules of engagement? Like what can people expect when you sit down with your therapist? Is it just as simple as be honest, be vulnerable? Is there such thing as building trust with your therapist before you get to a point where you open up or should we just dump it all out on the table Ooh, on day one? I like that. I, like, I You know, gosh, I am such the dump, give it all to me. Give it all to me day one. Don't hold yeah. back. Uh, and then there are people who struggle with trust and they go in there and they're not comfortable saying anything. And I think it's important to express that. You know, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to say. And then the therapist can take the lead. I think it's a really beautiful dance that you guys develop as you get to know each other. And, but trust does have to be built. Okay, trust absolutely does have to be built for this to yeah. work. Is how important, please talk mm-hmm. about just very briefly how important it is to not lie to your therapist, um, specifically because I had a person who shall not be named okay. <laughs> who was in therapy. Um, okay, so I had someone I may have been dating who was lying and gaslighting mm-hmm. and cheating mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. things. And so he was in therapy. This is from eons ago, mm-hmm. way, 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 way back in the day. Um, and he was telling me how he was in therapy and I, yeah, I'm like changing my ways and I'm really working on myself. And I'm like, that's good for you. That's so awesome. That's so great. We caught up maybe like a few months later and, um, he goes, Oh, so my therapist just found out about all my cheating and my lying and my whatever. And I'm like, wait, what the hell are you guys talking about for the last few months? The therapist was like, wait, what? We have so much more work to do. And then she just rolled up her sleeves and got to work. But it blew my mind that, you know, he could spend three months just kind of shooting the shit, not really being honest about the worst of him or the things that he wanted to work on. He wanted to seem like a good guy to his therapist, which is bizarre. Mm -hmm. But I think that speaks. People can relate, I'm sure. Oh, well, I think that speaks also volumes to his ability to compartmentalize, to like look somebody in the eye and just pretend, right? That speaks volumes to that. Even your own therapist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a whole nother episode. Right, right. (laughs) But don't lie to your therapist. Don't lie. You know, it's your time. It's your money. You don't gain anything when you're not sharing, you know, the depths of your truth. Now, if you're lying to your therapist because your therapist feels sketchy and has said some things that don't resonate or is judgmental, then maybe we want to explore a little bit about why you're not being honest with your therapist. But if you're not being honest with your therapist because you feel shame or you feel judgment, you you really just want to know that this is a safe space. It's a, right. it's a space where you can benefit from being honest. Right. And you brought up, um, you know, if your therapist seems a little sketchy, I think this is an important conversation mm-hmm. or, or question to ask is what if we are in a space with a therapist and they say something that makes us feel uncomfortable? How should we address it? When do we know that a line has been crossed? Because maybe I'm just on the couch in therapy and it's getting uncomfortable for me. But what do we do if we feel like it's inappropriate? Okay. So it's one of the things that popped up in my mind is therapy, the relationship that you have with your therapist, it is the dress rehearsal for the relationships that you have outside of therapy. So the ability to be vulnerable and tell your therapist, I didn't like the way you said that, 
or this is how it came off to me. For me, that's all healing. That is still healing because that's going to prepare you to also have vulnerable and different conversations outside of those doors. The hope is your therapist can respond in a way that is corrective because that provides, you know, that internal healing. If your therapist doesn't and continues to make you feel unsafe, then you can decide if you want to continue or if you want to find somebody else. And how do you know if do we ever know when we're done with therapy? Like some people are like, I'm healed. I'm good. That's a wrap. And then some people are like, this is the thing that I'll be doing for the rest of my life because I just like it. I'm one of those people. I feel like I just always kind of want to, I might go, I ebb and I flow. Like I go through chapters of really being committed and then maybe I'll stop down for a few months and I'll pick back up. Um, But how do you, do you have a recommendation around how people should approach therapy? Should it be situational? Should someone just always have someone to go to just to kind of, you know, download on your life? Mm-hmm. So there's different ways you can look at therapy. There's the medical model, right? Where it's like, here's a diagnosis and here's our treatment plan and here are our goals. And when you meet your goals, you're done. Right. And so there's the medical model. And then there's the people who don't subscribe to the medical model, which is, um, you know, we, we tend to work with clients who come in and out whenever they please. You can be with me for a few years. Maybe you want to take another year break and I see you again next year. Uh, It really depends on your personality and what you need. And there are some people who create goals in therapy, right? Maybe they're feeling depressed or anxious and then they don't anymore. And then they still come because they want to self-reflect like, and you said download. So it it just depends um, what feels right for you, but there is no right or wrong way to do therapy. If you're in therapy for 15 years, doesn't mean anything other than you're in therapy for 15 years. Yeah. So here, here, snap yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, I love it. This is such a, this is like a short and sweet combo, but I think it's so important just for people, especially those who are thinking about it, but like maybe a little bit too shy to like ask. Um, this is your sign. I am such a big advocate. Y'all know I talk about it all the time. Um, so at the very least, like look into your options, see what they are. Um, Leah, like we mentioned, you are a therapist. You have a strong social presence too. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram, Alyssa Marie Wellness. And then the rest of my contact information is up there too. Okay. Sounds good. And lastly, what would you say? I just want to open up the floor to you, uh, to anyone listening, someone who might be considering therapy and is hesitant for whatever reason. Um, maybe we're already in it, but you want words for the wise. Like what, what would you say to all of us? What, what final thoughts would you share? You know, my final thought is I'm such a therapist. It's a, it's a question. It's like, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Well, thank you so much, Leah. It was great to have you back on the show. Y'all go follow her, Alyssa Marie Wellness, on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Leah, for joining us on the podcast. Such a great conversation. I hope that it gave you some clarity as you begin or maybe even restart your therapy journey for all of the resources that you know we talked about. You can head over to hothappymess.com. And we'll share it in the show notes. And also that's where you can submit your story as a real woman or a WTF confession or hashtag ask Zuri, whether it's home design, love, sex, careers, you name it, I'll answer. So stay tuned. We've got more episodes coming every Wednesday. And in the meantime, share this episode with a friend. If you liked it, if you think that they might like it or be looking for a therapist and yeah, follow me on Instagram at Zuri Hall and at Hot Happy Mess. And I'll talk to you over there in the meantime and see you next Wednesday. Bye. 
AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.